have reached your destination. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Joining me today is Jeff Johnson, my producer, co-host, a wonderful friend. We have a special guest for you today. Episode 20. While back on the Red Hot Chili Prepper page on Facebook, I asked our followers, what are some preparedness topics that you would like us to discuss on the show? And I will get to the other answers, but today, or the other responses to that, but today we're going to talk about rabbits. One of the inquiries was raising rabbits. I had rabbits when I was a little girl, has pets, really love them. They're adorable creatures. And if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, you can see our guest is holding one and we will be bringing her in momentarily. But you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show for the live shows and our political takes. But for the preparedness, the red hot chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, prepper there we focus on preparedness exclusively so if the uh drudgery of concurrent events and today's headlines is uh, something you need to take a break from here's your safe space we just have fun and, and focus on the positive aspects of preparedness and if you're not listening live you can hear us at your leisure on anchor fm this uh, shows on seven platforms including the apple platforms please like Share your app of choice. You can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. And you can do that on the Anchor FM page directly. My website, SuzanneCSherman.com. Go there for our latest blogs for preparedness. I have one uh, called The Well-Stocked Pantry. And uh, striking a balance between readiness and financing. A lot of us are struggling today and people are saying, gee, you know, our businesses are shut down. We, we are really short on cash. How are we possibly supposed to stock up on preps and, and be ready for, you know, further troubling times when we're already struggling? So we answer some of those questions there. But without further ado, I had joined a group on Facebook about uh, rabbit raisers and a lovely gal responded to my inquiry when I was searching for somebody to interview the show. She is from out of St. George area in southern Utah and has her own rabbit raising business. Welcome Leanne Pratt, owner, proprietor of, here we go, Fuzzy, <laughs> Funny, Bunny, Farm. I should have made Jeff say that one. <laughs> Hi, Leanne. You must have practiced, I can tell. <laughs> I did, I did. I, we should, I should have actually done that and recorded that so everybody could have seen me. Fuzzy, Fuzzy, Funny, Bunny, Farm. Fuzzy, Fuzzy, Bunny, Farm. <laughs> Well, in the beginning, I actually mixed up fuzzy and funny every once in a while. So it was a funny, fuzzy, funny barn. Yeah. Well, when I first got started about five years ago, um, I never thought I would be as big as I was or have become anyway. And so it was just something to make me giggle whenever I talked about my bunny farm. You know, so it wasn't I wasn't expecting people to have punk posters. I just thought it made me smile anytime I did it. Um, well, my know, mother always I, said, when you have a checkbook, you want to have, when you open it, you want to have to smile, even though you're giving away money. And so you find the checks that make you smile. And so I just came up with the name. i never thought it would be big. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Those animals to do it. I used to have a horse. And when I did, I called hundred dollar bills, equestrian food stamps. <laughs> so right? you've actually turned your, your, your hobby into a bit of a business. So we're going to talk about today and we've been very supportive. Again, I, 
I always urge people to please try and get your sources of meat from local distributors, local butchers, local suppliers. So not only do you do that, you also supply them as pets. And I always like to support home enterprises as well. We've seen, you know, in this past year, a lot of the market successes going to those at the top. But, you know, there's a huge, huge group of people out here across this continental landmass that have uh, products from Bare Body Naked Essential that are sponsoring the show that you know that you can support them rather than going to the big boxes for the stores. So do consider that. Leanne, let's talk a little bit about your business, what the focus is, and then we're gonna talk about how somebody interested in getting rabbits either as pets or to start raising them on their own, how they can get started. I first got started because a coworker went and raised rabbits. And so when you put the pencil to it, the amount of meat just per pound that you can get per year is astounding. Um, you can come up with a, pretty much the size of a cow in a year with just a breeding trio. And so there's, there's lots of different breeds. I started out with a bunch of mutts. I think they were a Flemish giant New Zealand mix. And they just happened to be some that I found for cheap. I don't know if I would necessarily get started that way again, just because their feed to meat ratio was horrible. And I actually had one die fairly soon. So I was mortified thinking I'd done something wrong when I don't really know what the ages were. They were just some free ones that I found. So I would definitely say, do your research, make sure that you do. I mean, uh, a lot of people want the exotic ones, the Angoras or whatever, so that they can make wool from their fur and, and they do wrecks because they like the, they have a, a real plush fur that feels like those minky blankets, but they don't realize that if you're going to do them for meat and you're actually trying to keep it cheap, then wrecks are really not the right way to go because they grow slower. So I would just say, do your research, find someone who actually knows what they're doing and get stock from them because they're gonna keep the best ones that grow the fastest and have the best meat to, to bone ratio so that you're not just wasting your money after rabbits that are cheap. I mean, because by the time you buy five or six cheap rabbits, you could have bought a couple of good ones. You know, it's um, what I'm getting here. There are breeds that'll have a high yield of meat with a relatively lower investment of feed that you put into it. Because if you are going to do this for a business, regardless of what your uh, animal of choice is, that is a very valid consideration. In fact, when I got into chickens, I started learning. I, I got the first five from you know the tubs at uh, yeah. whatever feed store it was. And then a friend of mine gave me five more of her. What I realized were older hens that weren't really laying <laughs> much. But one, mm -hmm. of one of them was my beloved Petunia, the best chicken in the world, RIP Petunia. That being said, I was learning now as I was buying these that there were certain birds that would be considered meat birds, some that you could, you could use for both. Now, some of the birds that I have are lower, are they, they take longer to grow, but these meat birds are about eight weeks. And so you're not feeding them and they grow very, very quickly. Jeff, you just processed a bunch of them with your friends. Yeah, we do the ones that only take about eight weeks. And like I said, we do this chicken tractor, we move them around the yard and they do take less feed. And we end up with a good yield. And like I said, the one day, I think I can't remember what we did, 250 birds one day. So How yeah, you have a plucker. That, that's off. That's horrible. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> have Wait, a whole assembly line. You have a whole assembly line going. No, it, it really goes quick. I'm, we did uh, 200, uh, 250 birds in probably about three hours. 
Plucker. Well, I, plucker. A we, plucker. We know. <laughs> no, they're, the, they're the things that you stick them in and it plucks the bird because trying to take the feathers out of, of a chicken is horrible. I actually have two different kinds of setups. I have um, some that are in cages. Yes. So I have some that are in cages and some that are in a colony. And it really just depends on what your purpose is and what time of year it is because rabbits need a lot in order to be able to keep breeding all year long. You actually have to supplement their light because if they don't get at least four, 14 hours of light, they don't want to breed or they don't want to take care of their offspring. So if you, you have to supplement light, um, you don't have to worry about heat so much. You just have to make sure that they can stay dry and out of the wind because, you know, they come with nice fur coats. So, I mean, you yes. really don't have to worry about little. them getting cold. Who's this oh, thing so, you're holding now? So this guy, he's like, don't touch me. But he is, I believe they call the color lilac. And so he is actually a lilac silver fox. So you Beautiful. don't actually see these guys are more of a rare type breed. Um, I think they're originally from the Americas where I want to say that they, it's a cross because, between a couple of different breeds to get the fur. Because this is just a stand up fur, you can see. So New Zealand's have the same kind of her fur, but it rolls back after you do this. It rolls back where a fox, if it's purebred, will stand up. They actually call it a silver fox because it resembles a fox fur. And so you don't see these guys very often. They're more of a rare type breed, but they have the same kind of meat to bone ratio and growth product. Like they grow the same size and, and rate as in New Zealand, but they have a better fur. So you had mentioned also, because I recognize this also with, with regards to chickens, you, you had mentioned find a breed that is going to do well where you live, because we've got mm -hmm. people listening from all over. I'm in northeastern Utah, almost by Evanston, Wyoming, so I have to be careful what kind of chickens I get. Think about the type of breed that you're, that you're going to acquire and how it's going to do in whatever weather conditions you have. So if you've got, if you live in a place, high humidity, high heat, you're going to want a rabbit that can stay cool or easier. That same rabbit is probably not going to do as well or be as happy where mm -hmm. I live. And that's the same with chickens. I was so tempted to get those adorable Polish birds, but then I found <laughs> out they don't do well in cold weather and they're very high maintenance. So out of consideration for, you know, the life that you're going to have set up for these animals, even if you're going to raise them for meat, you have an obligation to raise them in a humane fashion. They should be enjoying what life they have uh, while well, they're here. Really the happier the animal, the better the meat too. I usually breed my rabbits when I'm in, in main production during the summer, I breed them in the cages. And then when I uh, wean them, I put them in the 20 by 20 foot colonies so that they can actually, you know, get out, run around, jump on things. They are, they're fine being alone. I mean, you don't have to get your rabbit a friend, like so many people think. Um, they're fine being alone. Um, they're actually very independent, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a pecking order like a chicken does. It doesn't mean that they don't have little ranks of who gets to eat first. And you know what I mean? Like they, they definitely are social, but they don't have to have a friend. Um, rabbits do a lot better in the winter and in the cold than they do in the heat. But that doesn't mean that you can't have them just because they're, um, if I were to go further south where it's hotter, I would want to find a rabbit with a larger ear because that's where their heat actually comes out is their ears. And then if you have an outdoor setup, just put up a misting system. Um, put a mist with a fan and you can cool it down by at least 10 to 20 degrees. These guys have been just fine in the high 90s. 
and I don't have a, um, <clears throat> eventually it's on the list, <laughs> you know, how that goes, um, to get a barn that I can actually control the weather a little bit better, you know, control the environment better. But right now these guys are just outside. Um, they do have some shade from a tree and I do have them covered with like tin and stuff like that. So they have shade, but I don't have a fan on them. I don't have a misting system. I don't even have a gravity fed watering system. It's on the list, but I not yet. The things I want to talk about too, because we've talked about uh, food sovereignty. Rabbits mm -hmm. are an amazing source of protein when times are scarce. In fact, I wrote an article for a survival dispatch um, about uh, apartment livestock, because mm -hmm. I said, you know, you can homestead even in an urban setting by having uh, certain types of animals in your apartment. And we're going to get into what kinds and how we do that right after this break from our friends at Anchor. All right, everybody. I have Leanne <laughs> Pratt joining us today from Fuzzy Funny Bunny Farm. Yes, I am reading that. <laughs> I am not ashamed to say. And we're having a great discussion about the care of rabbits. And uh, let's see where we left off was about the uh, keeping them and raising them. Also, I was referring to an article I wrote for Survival Dispatch about raising apartment livestock. One of the animals I talked about that you could do because they are quiet and relatively clean are rabbits. Now, we're not talking about a colony of 50 or 100, but if you want to keep a steady supply of meat in your apartment, I urge you to go over uh, to Survival Dispatch and check out their Insider magazine. But you don't raise yours in your apartment. We were talking about the setup that you have. And now I want to turn to the use of them for meats. We already talked about earlier, if you're going to do this, make sure that you get, just if you want to have a good investment and return on your money, a rabbit that has high uh, yield of meat to bone and one that isn't going to require as much feed or time or time to grow. So you're raising rabbits for meat. How can people, if they want to purchase rabbits from you directly, get in touch with you? I've told people before, rely on your community, not just the big box stores, help local businesses, and also get meats that you know have been raised humanely and also dispatched humanely. We'll touch on that a little bit. But do you sell rabbits that are already butchered and ready to eat? When I have it available. They can email me at fuzzyfunnybunnyfarm at gmail.com. I know that's a tongue twister. Or they can look me up on Facebook. I'm pretty responsive to messages in either way. We'll share your page. If I were to do it in a an apartment, really all you'd need is three, four cages. It really depends on how much meat you want to be able to supplement your diet with. Each rabbit, if you go with a common New Zealand rabbit, then each rabbit usually you butcher about 12 to 14 weeks of age. That's when the meat's the most tender. And that's when the fur is the most pliable. If you're actually going to do something with the fur, that's when the, the skin is thick enough that you can do something with it, but not thick, too thick that it'll never be soft. Mm -hmm. So it depends on if you want to make like trim on your hat or gloves, mittens, stuff like that um, is the different ages that you'd want to harvest your rabbit at. But you could come up with, I want to say it was like a 800 pounds or something like that with just three rabbits, depending on their diet, like over a year, because um, rabbits usually get sexually mature about, about five months. And so if you have one litter of seven, five months later, you have three does, you could, you know what I mean? You, they grow, they do get plentiful pretty quickly, but they're usually about five pounds at 12 to 14 weeks. And so after you process them, they're only about three to four pounds of actual meat and bone. And so mo my family of six, we usually have to have two to three rabbits per meal. 
So you need to keep that in consideration of how many you want per month. You know, I was just, I just had some rabbits, a good friend of ours. It's going to actually be up on uh, on the show after you. The next thing we do is we were out uh, hunting with a goshawk and he's Mm -hmm. allergic to rabbits, so he can't keep them, but he uh, hunts with this goshawk and his New Zealand Isla, I think it is. And the two of them were a team and we had some rabbits that the two of them had caught and that he had processed. And it's actually delicious meat. Now we hear this thing about somebody's going to comment. I know it's going to happen. You can starve if that's all you eat is rabbits. The meat is very lean. You need more fat. My, my response to that is always the same. If you're in the state that you can raise and, and butcher your own rabbits, you're going to have the wherewithal to survive because you will have other foods and mean to survive. Mm-hmm. If the only thing you have available is to is rabbits, you're dead anyway. But really, they're just as nutritious as chicken. Um, I read somewhere that they're keto-friendly. So if you can live on keto, you can live on rabbit. Um, I, love, I love my bread. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like I cannot go without carbs. Sourdough? No, I'm not. I ain't giving that up. Yeah, I find new uses for sourdough about every day, so it's fine. Let's, you know, I want to talk about something else. I said you you have children. You have small yes. children. How how do you prepare them? And I I think absolutely this is something that children need to learn that you know animals are used for meat, and this is how we dispatch them. I'm a hunter and my boys have also hunted big game and they understand the sacrifice an animal really truly makes. It's not sanitized when you do it yourself. You don't just see it wrapped in styrofoam or it appears magically on your plate. The animal actually goes through a process and life does not leave the body easily, no matter how humanely you do it. I think it's really an important lesson for children to understand because I mentioned in one of my blogs, that I was in a, a Brazilian steakhouse and they had actually said, cause it was all you could eat. They threw of an entire cow per day, which to me is unacceptable. So I think it's, it's great that you're doing this and that kids are experiencing this. What, what challenges do you think you are faced when kids say, Oh no, you're not that one mommy. <laughs> I've actually had that one happen. Not that oh, one. No. That was my favorite mom. That's my favorite. Don't do that one. I think my biggest challenge is probably my my girls. I have four. The oldest is 17. So I have a 17, two 14-year-olds, an 11-year-old, and a three-year-old. So the 11-year-old, when we first got started, she was was five, six. And I kept telling her she liked playing with the babies. You know, once they get this big, I mean, this guy is only about, uh, he's only just barely getting sexually mature. He's not an adult. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of meat. So I kept telling her, it's like, we're always going to have babies and the babies are the more fun to play with. You don't want to go out and play with an adult rabbit. That's when they, they start, you know, they, they don't want to be picked up. They're a prey animal. Um, so you can support their feet and stuff like that. So, I mean, this guy's pretty content, but they're not fun to play with when they're no longer cute and cuddly. Um, well, and so go ahead. I kept telling her that we're going to have more babies Play with them when they're little, love them when they're young. But when they get old enough to scratch you and they get big enough, then then they're going to go in the freezer. So she was probably my biggest one. She's the one that likes that. Not that one. That one's my favorite. Um, and so I tell her, I will give you a group of rabbits and that I will that I find acceptable to keep. You can pick one out of that. You can't just pick any because I have almost 300 rabbits. So it's like if I kept every one that my daughter wanted to keep then I wouldn't have any quality rabbits. I would just have the cute ones and I wouldn't have the good mothers and I wouldn't have, you know what I mean? Like there's been some rabbits that she's wanted to keep that have been horrible mothers or they wouldn't get bred or anything like that. And so it's like, 
I will give you a group that you can pick and you can pick your favorite one out of that one, but uh, you can't just pick whatever one you want. Now, this is something um, if you're interested in getting into breeding rabbits and you're interested in more than pets, find somebody like Leanne and have this conversation. I'd like to get started on my own and, and have my own setup here. And by the way, do you have any rabbits that you could suggest would be good moms? Because you're really going to be setting yourself up for a lot of heartache and inconvenience if you yeah. have one that just plops them out and says, well, go grab the bottle and go on somewhere else. <laughs> oh, you, it's, that's it's not a rabbit horrible. you want to keep around. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but you also can't have expectations that they're going to be a cat. You know what I mean? They're a prey animal and they naturally dig four foot holes in the dirt and then they actually backfill it. So they bury their babies. They don't feed them every couple of hours. You're not going to catch them nursing. I can't see it. There's so many times that I've seen on the Utah Breeder site that that people think that their their moms aren't taking care of their babies. And it's like, well, how do you know they're not? Where's, what's your evidence? Because if they've got big bellies, they're taken care of. If they've mm -hmm. got fur in the nest, they're taken care of. It's like, let her do her thing. I'm a big believer in the three strike rule. First time, no one knows what they're doing. First time you have kids. If you find one that knows what they're doing the first time, you make sure and keep that one. And then you keep every girl out of that one because you don't find them very often. But really, too, where you can ask questions. And then once you mm -hmm. find somebody on there like you, like yourself. Yeah. Hit you me know, up. Send me messages. I'm yeah. You'll find ones that there's all sorts of people out there. There's the ones that think that um, answering newbie questions are is above their time. You know what I mean? Like my time's valuable and. And unless you're going to spend money with me, it's not worth my time. You know, there's there's though that there's that kind, and then there's the kind that don't mind answering questions. And, um, and you know, I, when 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 someone like Leanne does answer your questions and take the time to, uh, you know, it's courtesy. I get this all the time on Facebook. People wanting me to solve their legal problems or you know get really in depth. Read this chain of you know whatever. No, <laughs> or read this book. Tell me what you think. You're gonna pay me for my time, right? Um, you know, as a courtesy, share their page. Tell a friend. Buy a rabbit. Buy some meat. You'd mentioned about also a rabbit going into a freezer. I would think also that. This would be another good way if you have a plethora of rabbit meat. Let's say the breeding got a little away from me and you haven't <laughs> sold them. Um, I'm also a big believer in pressure canning. Is this a good meat you can pressure can? Absolutely. Um, I haven't had enough of a of a surplus to try it. Mm -hmm. But if you go into the ball book, you know, the one that you find every other recipe in, you can find rabbit. So yeah. there, you can process it as well. Since it has the same consistency as chicken, I would assume that it would be just like canning chicken um, where you'd, I don't know if you'd want to like shred it, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you debone it in the process and then just bottle it like you would. I, I've meat. even, <clears throat> I've even canned chicken with the bones in there and yeah. uh, keep some of the flavor, add some more flavor as well. And one thing I'll say uh, for general, I have not canned rabbits, but what I would recommend is if you do make a recipe that already has rabbit in it. I would not cook the rabbit because you do have to pressure can anything with meat in it. And I've done this with chicken where I've made uh, soups with chicken that where it was already ready to eat. And the it comes out very dry and stringy. It just loses a consistency that makes it inviting. Is it good to eat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And our good friend Lex here has made jackrabbit chili and he says it is awesome. Um, Leanne, another question we have, do you have a broth or stock recipe for your rabbits? And if not, I'm sure I can fill that one in because, uh, you know, broth and I was stock. Gonna say, no, I actually don't just because I haven't had enough. I got started just wanting to be able to pay for their feed 
so mm-hmm. that I had free meat. But with the world ending this last year, I haven't had any to put in my own freezer. I'll just, I haven't had the, I haven't had the time. Um, my kids usually eat it quite um, fast. We supplement any kind of chicken recipe with rabbit. They love chicken. Oh, what is it called? Stroganoff, the crock pot one. Okay, and we just okay. throw rabbit in there instead. Uh, I've made elk stroganoff. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so absolutely. I just haven't had enough of a surplus to be able to do that kind of thing. But I, I can imagine that it's good. I just don't have a recipe. You know, one thing also, the backyard rabbit enthusiast, we've talked about some good breeds uh, for meat. What are a couple good breeds for children? And then I also want to talk about an ethical standpoint of any kind of pet you have. I've had this with chickens and I, I know people have done this with dogs. I have not with my own dogs, but you also have to consider if your animal is suffering uh, a humane way to dispatch them as well. You know, if an animal is in severe respiratory distress, now if it had a dog or anything that was, I would obviously take care of it. But if an animal is in severe respiratory or other distress and about to die, you need to you need to take care of that. A lot of people, oh, he's my pet. I'm gonna go take it to the vet. And if it makes it that long, it's another hour and a half or so of suffering they've done. So um what what do you what do you suggest for the backyard enthusiast that has uh some qualms about that? A quick way to dispatch them to end their suffering, and then let's end on a bright note of some great pets for families. I euthanize all of mine for processing and also for suffering or an unhealthy animal with the broomstick method. It's quick. You know, they're definitely dead. Um, When we started, I did the hold them down with a BB gun or a pellet gun to the back of the head thing. And there was lots of times that they kept blinking. And so, or they'd scream or, you know what I mean? Which just, no, I couldn't do that. Um, and so the broomstick method, you just put the broomstick right here behind their ears. You grab their, you step on either side of the head. On, so you're stepping on the broomstick. You grab hold of the feet and you pull up. My 11-year-old is big enough to help. I, I have all my kids help um, process. The three-year-old just usually plays in the water, but everybody else helps. And it's quick. They don't scream and they're they're just gone. It's not, you know what I mean? It's I've a, seen another method where they had a little uh, rack sticking out of a wall and you just put the rabbit in there and pull it down. Yeah, the hopper popper. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know it's kind of unpleasant. We have the killing combs and stuff for the chickens and everything mm-hmm. else. And uh, I always said I was going to eat my chickens when they stopped laying eggs. So they all got names and come into my house. In fact, I have a few that a few chickens that I actually need to process because they've stopped laying eggs. So I've probably got like 10 or so that I need to go out and do, but I skin them because um, yeah. I don't have a plucker. Oh, I'm going to pluck those things. Yeah. No, no we had, tur- I did a turkey and I just skinned it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I, that. That's so hard because that's my favorite part. Of course it is. It's all fat. Yeah. Duh. Right. So uh, my friend Lex is wanting to know, what do you do with the pelts? And we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Right now I'm in medic school, so I don't have time to do much. But I have all sorts of plants. Um, we're hunters. And so when I uh, go out on the ranger and stuff like that, I want to have a nice fur blanket just because I don't want to have to worry about the stickers and stuff of going out in the hills in my nice blankets. Whereas with fur, you pretty much just brush it off and it's not going to be a big thing. Um, I have plants. My kids all have fur that is uh, that they've picked out that they want for mittens um, just because of the crazy colors or, you know, whatever. Um, so we have plans to make 
I want to make those the really ridiculous hats that cover your ears. Um, I have friends that actually do leather work. And so I'd like to make buckskin out of them. And actually I have people make belts and whatever out of the, out of the skin. Um, you know, if you're ever interested, we have a group WISE, W-I-S-E, all uppercase. Lex is a member of that too. It's wilderness. It's a wilderness instructors sharing group. And oh they have classes on brain tanning and processing. And, and uh, I'd love to have you join that. And, Probably will. Uh, and talk about yeah. some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right now I'm just doing all um, almond salt processing, but I, I have a friend who does taxidermy who suggested some different product that I could get to, uh, because some of them turn out really soft and some of them not so much. And so he's actually um, giving me suggestions of some chemicals um, that I can get to make them more, you know, make it better. So. And then if you go to the wise group, you can learn about brain tanning. I'm sure Lex is, uh, he knows all about that. Yes, Lex, she is in Utah. If you were here on time, you would have known <laughs> she's just outside of Cedar City. And the company is Fuzzy Funny Bunny Farm. And it's Leanne <laughs> Pratt. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope we keep in touch after this show and that we see you at some of these events and gatherings that we like to do. Thank you very much, Jeff Leanne. You can stick around if you like. We're gonna we're gonna stay if you're if you're watching on Facebook and not on Anchor. Uh, we're gonna stick around and just chat a little bit more. But this has been the Red Hot Chili Prepper episode twenty. I want to thank you for joining us today. Bye.